This is Managing Mayhem. Brought to you by two lawyers and a layman. Because good intentions are not a legal defense. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, they're not? Okay, well, let's get going then. Hi, and welcome to Managing Mayhem, a workplace podcast released every two weeks for your office mayhem. Each episode, we cover a new topic to help HR managers and employees navigate the daily workplace mayhem. I'm Jeff. I'm Patty. And I'm Jack, and they are both lawyers, and I am not a lawyer, and that's okay. It is okay, and we love you anyways. <laughs> no lawyer jokes, Jack. No lawyer jokes. Okay, no, no, no conditional love jokes. <laughs> Today, we are going to talk about the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which went into effect just recently, June 27th. We'll talk about why it came about, what you need to do to make sure your company is ready, and let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so what what is it? <laughs> what? Let's start there. I'd like to go there first. The Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, or we'll call it the PWFA throughout the podcast. Okay. Um, it's really one of the most expansive new laws that we've seen in recent time, wouldn't you say, Patty? Yeah. I, I just think they should have thought of a better acronym. It's right. a little P-F- PFW, PWFA? Yeah. <laughs> It's it does AM. sound like AM, yeah, AM radio. <laughs> it's an AM radio station that we're also broadcasting. <laughs> that we all need, though. We all need right. that to function. In our lives. Exactly. Well, the PWFA applies to all private employers with 15 or more employees and public employers. So it's very expansive. It covers a lot of employers. It was okay. signed by President Biden in December 2022. And as Patty just said, it went into effect June 27th. So, oh, so just um, now. Just now. I think if you were away for 4th of July weekend, you missed it. Right. right. <laughs> I think if you were me, you also missed right. it. Exactly. <laughs> Basically, the law requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations to a qualified employee with a known limitation, that's a pretty key word, related to pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions. It's very broad, um, the language. Okay. Right. And the focus is really on providing these accommodations that are pregnancy related with the notion that pregnancy conditions are temporary. And they're saying, hey, this doesn't provide too much of a hardship on employers. Right. And so they have numerous examples of what could be an accommodation. Okay. It's anything from bathroom breaks, uniforms that fit, modified schedules. There's a whole list of accommodations, but the, the gist of it is you have to provide these accommodations for those pregnant workers. And that's with the PWFA. Yes. Yeah. You said it right. That came yeah. out. I was, I, I think the, dub, the W is hard to wrap your mouth around <laughs> in the middle of the sentence. Um, so how did the law come about and how is there not already if there wasn't something to protect pregnant workers. Right. And that's where a lot of the confusion is coming from. People are like, wait, don't we have something? I mean, there's... Shouldn't we in 2023? <laughs> it seems like this should be covered, right? Right. And we, we have FMLA, which is the Family Medical Leave Act, which covers leave, really. And it's for large employers with over 50 or more employees. It's 12 weeks of unpaid job-protected leave. And it does apply to some aspects of pregnancy, like childbirth or bonding, but it's primarily for leave. They're not going to be at work. They need their jobs protected while they're gone for those um, conditions, but it's that, that's leave. And then the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, that's actually for providing reasonable accommodations for someone with a disability to help them perform the essential functions of the job. 
But pregnancy alone is not a disability. Any pregnancy-related conditions, uh, for the most part, unless they become a disability, it gets kind of complicated. But generally, right. pregnancy alone is not a disability. So it doesn't really fall into the ADA. Right. So there's really been no category for pregnancy specifically around leave or time off or something. For accommodations. That's a good word. <laughs> so a lot of people say, well, wait, there, there is a Pregnancy Discrimination Act of 1978. But what that did is all it said is, you know, we have these laws that you can't discriminate based on sex. You also can't discriminate based on pregnancy. So if someone's pregnant, you can't fire them. But nothing in that law really spoke to giving accommodations to pregnant workers. So they really have this clunky hmm. trying to fit it. Right. And even the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, finally, it said, well, okay, well, you'll have to give them what you would give other people in similar situations in terms of accommodation. But who else is in a similar situation to pregnancy? A food I mean, baby, a big yeah. lunch <laughs> that lasts nine months. <laughs> <laughs> but so, truly, that is so, it's it's not a comparable scenario. No. Yeah. And so you see cases where they're really trying to accommodate or find a law, but mm. there's just a giant gap. And I saw repeatedly that women would sue and lose. And that is what a lot of the advocacy groups for this law is that you shouldn't have to choose a paycheck over pregnancy. You shouldn't be forced out on leave, mm. forced to move to another job, forced to quit because of pregnancy. So that's where this came about because there's a gap in those laws. And it also seems kind of bare minimum to me to say, we're only saying you can't be fired for being pregnant. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then also just we'll hold your job, but you're not going to get paid for any of that. Nothing really seems like it fits the bill. I agree. Or we're going to accommodate you only if we accommodate other people with temporary disabilities, which there's no similar situation. So yeah. nothing matched and nothing, frankly, to the advocacy group seemed fair, you know, to hmm. pregnant workers. The reality is that this, I mean, 80% of women are going to have at least one child. Mm -hmm. And eight out of 10 women, first time pregnant women, they're going to work until the final month of pregnancy. So they're they're there, they're in the office, yeah. and they're going to be there mm -hmm. pretty much the full term dealing with a growing baby, right? It's, I mean, it's a lot. And I can't, trust me, those 80% that are working toward the end of their pregnancy are usually not feeling so great on, right. on, on some levels by the time they're eight months. You know, they're uncomfortable. Not that they can't work. Right, sure. I thought what was really concerning is that 23% of moms have thought about leaving um, due to that lack of accommodations and fear of discrimination from an employer during pregnancy. So trust mm. me, there's all kinds of pressure you feel and the perception mm. that you're pregnant, you're already being perceived as, hey, you're going to not come back after you have this child. Mm. Um, are, are you reliable while you're pregnant? And there's a lot of stigma there. And so oh. I'm surprised that number's not higher, that percentage. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I think, I mean, that quote that you mentioned, you shouldn't have to choose a paycheck over pregnancy, is really, to me, at the core of, of why we enacted this new law and what, what Congress was discussing. When you say, Patty, I mean, they were really focusing on right. health risks of not accommodating pregnant workers, Yes, right? It's it's a strain on their body. There's They can have miscarriages, stillbirths, preterm birth. I mean, there's so many issues that could go wrong if they're required to work without extra breaks 
going to the bathroom, any sort of accommodation. And so that's a that was a big focus. And you could see someone needing to make those choices, say, how much can I push myself to keep my paycheck? And do I feel safe doing that? Just puts them in a really tough spot. Absolutely. You know, there were a lot of uh, women that provided either written or oral testimony to Congress during this. And it was pretty heartbreaking. Some took on the risk to support their family. Some already yeah. have children. Mm. Others said, I, I can't take this on. I'm not going to risk the life of the fetus. But mm. then they lost their job and, and they were on food right. stamps. Between a rock and a hard place. Right. And I think a lot of employers are like, sure, just go on leave. You know, we'll see you in, you know, seven months. And you won't be our problem. <laughs> yeah. And we're not paying you those seven months. What are you supposed to do with that? People can't afford to take a seven month leave with no pay. And, and as Patty said, in the past, a lot of employers are like, yeah, take an unpaid leave. And, or use your PTO and take it unpaid mm. on the on the back end. But either way, you're not working. And really, the goal of the whole act is allow them to have these accommodations so mm-hmm. that they can stay in the office and they can mm-hmm. work and they're not at risk with their health. And then they're they're financially stable during that, that time. Yeah, you have an interest in their safety. Exactly. And the other thing is, is main... Maintaining financial stability also will help minimize mental health issues, which can also negatively impact pregnancy, the stress, anxiety of, you know, having to juggle work. The other thing that was shocking to me, um, looking at a lot of the background and legislative notes, was that I didn't realize the United States has one of the highest maternal mortality rates among developed countries. And so, you know, I think that a law that focuses on keeping them in the workforce, keeping them safe is something that Congress embraced on both sides of the aisle. It was passed, and Good. nothing is getting passed in Congress. Right, nothing <laughs> so, is getting done. But we'll take the victory we will take it. for the PWFA. <laughs> Seriously, okay. But it's huge, and I think that the reality is the conditions are temporary. Yes. And so the accommodations are going to be temporary. And Jeff, if they're not temporary, for example, if someone had a serious condition that resulted like a disability from being Mm -hmm. pregnant or an underlying condition, that would fall under the Americans with Disabilities Act. We already have a law that will protect them. Got it. But for... I don't want to say regular pregnancy because it's like no two snowflakes are alike. (laughs) No pregnancy is alike. Um, A pregnancy without those kinds of complications. Right. Right. And it is temporary. I mean, an employer is not going to have to accommodate them for five years. I mean, if you look at most jobs, what they're requiring their employee to do actually conflicts with a normal pregnancy. You know, you look at a cashier and you have to stand for long periods of time. And right. that can be really hard on a pregnant employee or nurses who are doing heavy lifting. I mean, right. and so those are all things that you can accommodate or um, remove some certain job functions because mm. it's temporary. Right. You know, I want to give a few example personal ones um, of my own. Um, I was a prosecutor in trying cases and we had to wear suits, nylons, and high heels. And so I actually found a cot in the victim witness coordinator room that I could lay down over lunch to elevate my feet because they were so swollen. And so this is an example where an employer actually has to affirmatively offer that Mm. type of accommodation to get them off their feet, have them take extra breaks, have them have water at their workstation. Most of these are pretty small things that a lot of employers are doing anyway. But I think what goes a step further is that you also have to offer light duty Hmm. um, for employers. What is light duty? Well, light duty is where you modify the the job and you can remove essential functions or move them 
to perform just specific tasks where they're not, let's say, lifting or performing those tasks that would be really hard on a pregnant person. Mm -hmm. Like a nurse, for example, you may say, okay, you don't have to lift the patients, but we're going to have you do more admin duties, more admin work for this period of time, something something like that. You're just adjusting their work temporarily because, you know, once they deliver the baby and they come back to work, they're going to be able to perform their job. Right. Okay, so full duty, <laughs> full duty, light duty, call of duty. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of feels the same. <laughs> um, I, I like this law. I think it makes yeah. so much sense because really being able to have the protection. I'm sure some companies are already doing this just out of the kindness of their heart and saying, I see what you're going through. But you need it for people who are working for companies that are not doing that. I'm sure there are a lot of companies that are not really thinking that much about their employees. So I am for this law. Go Congress. Um, Okay. So what does an employer need to do? You know, the first thing is that it starts with human resources and HR needs to be trained. They need to understand the law, the types of accommodations that are going to be required because it goes far beyond the ADA. Um, They have to understand the undue hardship exceptions. They need to update the handbook, um, put up the required posters Uh, And they need criticals to train managers because managers aren't used to having to accommodate this unless it's a really significant, like a leave of absence request or Hmm. or a disability. So those are the first things I would suggest. So you're saying that essentially they really need to educate their staff and make sure that everyone is very aware uh, that this is a new law. Critical. Right. I mean, I think that educating your staff, as you said, is, is huge because that percentage of people who are afraid of retaliation, they're afraid of asking. You want to share that with your company and your staff so that they do feel comfortable and they know that they have some rights and they can come ask for accommodations. The training is a critical component. And Patty and I have actually put on two webinars, one for HR, it's a critical HR seminar that actually goes into depth about this law, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. We go into depth about the law, accommodations, undue hardship exceptions, as well as we provide sample policies, accommodation letters. So there's a link in the bio and you can go and purchase that recorded webinar, as well as we do have a leadership module that's specific for leaders in the company. It's 45 minutes and focuses on both the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act as well as the Pump Act and their requirements because the reality is most of the time it's the manager who gets the accommodation request. It doesn't Mm -hmm. go straight to HR. And so it's, it's critical that your managers are aware of this new act and what to do when they get an accommodation request. Absolutely. Um, Supervisors, team leads, assistant managers, I'm worried about them having that old mindset like, oh, sorry, just go home, see you in a few months. And so we got to keep people in the workforce, really accommodate them, make them feel safe, secure, financially and health-wise. And get in the module. Module is such a great word. Right, and there's a link for that one as well. So in other news... And, yeah, what's and, going on in other news? In other news, news and related is we have a much better acronym, the PUMP Act, which they must have spent all their creative energy. I don't even know, Jeff, what, what is what the does PUMP, Pump Act? What does PUMP stand it's for? The, it stands for uh, the Pregnant Urgent Mothers 
pump act. I, it's something. It's a, I, I have it they somewhere. They worked hard, but yeah, it's a so. lack. It is urgent. It's urgent yeah. that we get it. But I love how they they spent all this time on pump act, which is very cool. You know, it's a lactation expressing milk law, and then we've got the other law that sounds like the AM station, the AM radio. So yeah. real quickly, the pump act. It expands on already existing law under the Affordable Care Act, and it applies to all employees, exempt and non-exempt, so salary and hourly. And they remind people and restated in the law that you have to provide a private place to lactate other than, and that's expressing milk, other than the bathroom. You cannot use a bathroom, make them go into the bathroom to do Hmm. it. Like, hey, go into the stall. You can't do that. Um, It needs to be shielded from view of others, free from intrusion by public or co-workers. There are a lot of companies now renting portable lactation rooms, just like, you know, those honeypot bathrooms, because a lot of people say, well, we don't have a lactation room. Yeah. Obviously, you can also give someone the access to a private office if there's not all kinds of windows. So that's another law in the news that you've got to comply with. So Pump and PWFA both get a big thumbs up. Yes. Big thumbs thumbs up. up. And if you want to learn more about them... Go watch our recorded webinar as we go into detail and provide all sorts of great resources for you to make sure you're compliant with the laws. Hop on the module. Well, thank you guys. And we'll see you in two weeks for our next episode. That's right. See you in two weeks. Have a mayhem free weeks. Weeks. (laughs) Have a single weeks. (laughs) Our SHRM code is 24A5JSF. That's 24A as in Apple, 5J as in Jump, S in Sam, F as in Frank. Love you, Frank. (laughs) (laughs) Managing Mayhem is presented by Management Northwest and Management Southwest and cannot be copied or rebroadcast without prior written consent. By listening to this podcast, you understand that we, or at least two of us, are lawyers, but we are not your lawyers. Therefore, nothing we say on the podcast should be taken as legal advice or considered to create an attorney-client relationship. It is solely 